Thank you for listening to this Reading the Bible Together podcast, available thanks to your support. Welcome to Reading the Bible Together. I'm your host, Angela Smith. I love the faith of her. I love the tenacity of her. I also love her humor Mm. because you got to almost see Jesus smiling back at this woman. Like even the dogs eat the scraps of the children. Uh, Now remember, Jews called Gentiles dogs. That's how they saw them. They saw them as unclean. They weren't part of God's elect, part of God's chosen family. Remember, Jesus' first comments was that, hey, I need to do my ministry with Israel first, with the children first. That's because scripture says that he came to his own, right? But his own did not receive him. But there's actually a couple points where he commends a Gentile for having faith unlike that which he has seen, Mm -hmm. even in all of Israel, right? Mm -hmm. And I think he's smiling at this woman because he sees her faith. Today we're talking about Mark 6 through Mark 8, 26, and returning today is Jeff Redorn. Jeff has an infectious passion for studying the Bible and has been teaching it for over 25 years. Welcome back, Jeff. It's great to be here. Uh, So I want to ask all my guests a question to get to know them, and so I want to know, what is your go-to snack when you watch movies? And... Is it that you're usually watching movies at home, or do you still go out to the theater? I still go to the theater. My favorite snacks, pretty much anything in a box or a bag or a cup, right? I'm ready to (laughs) You're not choosy, it sounds like. I'm not. I am am a popcorn guy. We love to make popcorn and with lots of butter and a Diet Coke. Nice. Nice. Okay. So when I asked you that you wanted to talk um, about Mark, you got really excited, and this is kind of jumping into a little bit later into chapter six, but you said, I have a really, really great story about Jesus walking on water. And I want to point out that in this account in Mark, uh, it starts in uh, Mark six forty five when Jesus walks on water and the disciples are in the boat. It's in Matthew that we see Peter saying, if it's you, Lord, call me out to you. We don't see that in this account in Mark, but it's a, it's a, it's the same. They just, Matthew included more, uh, more detail than Mark did. But so what do you have to say about that? Uh, well, you're right. It's it's interesting. Some people like to make a big deal about the fact that one gospel has a story that doesn't have certain facts or says it in a different way than another gospel. And it's it's interesting. It doesn't mean that one is contra- contradictory the other. It just means that each writer is writing from his own perspective mm-hmm. and including the details, I would argue, that God wanted him to include in his story of that account. So we know they're the same accounts. They, they accounts, they come at the same time. And uh, yeah, we just don't know why Mark doesn't talk about Peter getting out of the boat. You, you'd think, I mean, Jesus walking on water <laughs> right. is a pretty big deal to begin with. And then to have someone join him. Yeah. Then someone get out of the boat and actually walk on the water. I've always kind of wondered, nobody else wanted to try? Mm-hmm. Nobody else got out of the boat. I, I heard. I mean, a, I would think you would be like, kind of, you like chomping at the bit. To, oh, you like, think can you I walk would. on water too? That's right. Uh, you know, I heard a sermon once. You know, it's time to get out of the boat, and uh, I think there's so many lessons to be learned from this, and we're going to talk about that today. So I won't jump the gun here. Okay. Well, I'm going to go back to then to Mark six five, and uh, it, it's talking about Jesus not doing miracles. 
because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles. Mm -hmm. And it was, you know, he was back in his hometown and commenting that a prophet is honored everywhere except for in his own town. And it goes on to say that because of their unbelief, Jesus couldn't do any miracles. And when I looked at the, the Greek word, it says not able to. And the commentary that I've been using says that God's power is present in great power where he, it's present in great power where humans welcome it, lean fully into it, and seek to actualize it. Human resistance offers, uh, however, snuffs out kingdom power and marginalizes the life giving presence of God. And then it goes on to talk about Ezekiel seeing the glory of God depart from the temple. And then in Jerusalem, Ezekiel 10, and Jesus's words of warning in Revelation 2 5 to the church of Ephesus that if they did not repent from their complacency, the spirit of Jesus would depart from them. And that's sobering. Hmm. And I think what I want to take from that is that we have a part to play in that. It's not, I mean, obviously God could can do whatever he wants at any time, but here we're seeing that it matters. Like our heart matters and what we're, what we're doing matters. It, we're not passive in it. It does. Um, you know, there's a question here. There's kind of a theological debate. Was he not able to do it or was he not willing to do it? Uh, so looking at the Greek, looking at the context, I actually liked your story uh, from the commentator uh, comparing this to the Spirit of God leaving the temple of God. It's really a sad scene, actually, where the Spirit of God rises up above the temple. It goes across the Kidron Valley and goes up back to heaven from the Mount of Olives, uh, which is, by the way, where Jesus goes up to heaven, mm-hmm. too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so did did he have to leave because he wasn't able to stay there because of their unbelief, or did he choose to leave because Israel had basically forgotten God lived next door in this temple and they weren't following his laws. They had forgotten all about him. I see it more like that, that because of their unbelief, Jesus wasn't doing any miracles there. But remember, it goes on to say that there actually he does heal a few. So there was a mm-hmm. few people there that actually understood and believed who this man was, but most didn't because He's from there. Remember what he says? Yeah. Does anything good? He's a carpenter's good? kid. He's a carpenter's son, right? Who is this guy? We know him. We grew up with him. How can this be the this miracle worker and the Messiah and, and so on? So, yeah. So good. Um, and what I noticed, too, is that there were accounts where we see Jesus going off by himself to pray. We see that in 631 and before Jesus actually walks on water, um, that he he's going off to pray by himself. And I think... That's something that we need to hear, something that we need to heed, an example that we need to follow. What are your thoughts about that? I, I totally agree. We sometimes think of solitude or someone being off by themselves as being um, a bad thing in some way. But actually, I, I, I looked up Luke five sixteen where it says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Mm. He looked for that solitude. That's, I think, how he kept his connection to the Father in heaven. And I, so I think it's a model for us too. We should have that time where, you know, we. it's so easy for us to fill our entire day with activities, with media, with social media, with podcasts, with radio, with all kinds mm. of stuff is out there. And I think sometimes it's very important to just say, Lord, here I am right now speak to me, I'm going to speak to you, and we're just going to spend some time together. I also think it goes on to say, by the way, that this time, anyway, the disciples were with him for this period of rest that they were looking for. And I actually think that's also a model 
for people in ministry and the church. Sometimes the demands of a congregation can be very weighing on a church or elders or pastors. Take that time and take that rest with your staff. Mm-hmm. That's really good. I So as you were talking, I was thinking about how long you've taught the Bible and how much you've studied the Bible. And when I was a student here at the University of Northwestern, there was a, for a little while, I was a biblical studies major. And so I was studying a lot. And it came to a point, and actually, and I found this in my job too, where I'm studying so much, either for a class or for here, you know, to create shows, to create content, that I found that every time I was going to the scripture, I had an agenda that I had to, you know, write a paper or I needed to create this content or this show. And I think it's studying the Bible is really good. But I think it's important to, to for that for that rest piece to go and to interact with it and to 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 be with the Lord in the midst of study. I mean, I would. Do you have any thoughts about that? You're you're, you're so right because it can become a task mm-hmm. that you need to complete in order to prepare for a class, a program, whatever. Um, you have to remember, okay, I'm going to submit this time to the Lord first and foremost. So before you open whatever task you're doing, whatever right. study, right. whatever reason, just pause and say, Lord, this is your word. You've given me your Holy Spirit. You said you would lead me in truth. Lead me now here. Mm-hmm. So start there. But two, I would venture to say, even when you approach the, the text, the Bible, for a task, and maybe your mind wasn't right. I bet you have a whole bunch of aha moments. Oh yeah, where God because it's living up. and active. That's yeah. exactly right. So you maybe you did approach it one day and said, "Oh, I got to get this done for a, an assignment or for a test or for whatever." But God met you and jumped off the pages at you. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 M- me too. Even. Even when it's like, oh, I got to hurry up. I got this thing tomorrow night and I don't have much time to do it. And there are times that he's just jumped off the pages and met me. And, and those aha moments for me are so cool. And uh, it, it, even after studying it for so long, there will be times where you read a passage anew and something new just jumps off the pages at you. And that's how that's because God is good. Mm-hmm. How have you experienced prayer in your life? You know, we see Jesus going off to pray. I'm asking this as someone who is more of a doer than a beer. And so that the, I think that's why the example of him and I noticed him resting and him going off and resting yeah. because that's not a, that's not a natural part of my rhythm. Has that been a struggle for you or is that a kind of a natural part of your rhythm? It is. I have been, there have been times in my walk where I've been better at that. There's been times where I haven't, but I, I know this, that I love to meet the Lord in many times of the day when I'm driving, Mm -hmm. uh, when I'm in the shower. I don't know if anybody else talks to the Lord when they're showering, but that's a great place for me. I often will think of things that I need to write down, like notes or thoughts Mm -hmm. or truths. It's like, oh my goodness, this five-point outline just came to me. It's like, I got to write this down. I got to get out of here and dry off and write Mm -hmm. these things down. Um, When I wake up in the morning too, when I'm just lying in bed, Mm -hmm. it's often a time where people, uh, situations uh, whatever will come to mind. And it's like, okay, I'm going to pray for so-and-so today and this situation today and so on. So, um, you know, there are many who teach you need the spiritual discipline of, you know, sitting down and having the purposeful. I I agree that is important, uh, but I think it's most important that you're meeting with him 
Mm-hmm. I remember hearing a sermon and the pastor was talking about our brains and our hearts, you know, like a computer has a default and we can return our computer to a default, that our default when our mind goes to kind of a more passive state for it to go to train our brains to go to a, oh God, kind of state so that when you're driving and, you know, usually that's when your mind would wander to let it, to kind of train it to wander toward God. If you are, I know most Christians bring the big things to God. Mm -hmm. Someone's sick. Someone gets a diagnosis that's not pleasant. Um, We're all pretty good at bringing big things to God. If you are bringing the little things to God, that's probably a pretty good indication of where your faith is at. Mm, That's good. That's so good. Okay, so... Then we go on to chapter 7, and we see Jesus healing the Gentile's daughter. And I love the faith and the tenacity of this woman that, you know, Jesus is saying to her, you know, wait, 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 wait. Like, I, I, I came for the Jews first. And she said, but, you know, I didn't come for the dogs. And she's like, well, don't even the dogs get to eat the scraps off the table? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so good. I love the faith of her. I love the tenacity of her. I also love her humor because mm. you got to almost see Jesus smiling back at this woman. Like even the dogs eat the scraps of the children. Uh, now, remember, Jews called Gentiles dogs. That's how they saw them. They saw them as unclean. They weren't part of God's elect, part of God's chosen family. So that's how the Jewish people uh, viewed the Gentiles. And remember, Jesus's first comments was that, hey, I need to do my ministry with Israel first, with the children first. That's because Scripture says that it, he came to his own, right? But his own did not receive him. He says in Matthew 15 that I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. So what Jesus was saying is, hey, I'm a Jew. I'm the Jewish Messiah. I came to the children of Israel. But there's actually a couple points where he commends a Gentile for having faith unlike that which he has seen Mm -hmm. even in all of Israel, right? Mm -hmm. And I think he's smiling at this woman because he sees her faith and she's having faith even unlike many in to the, uh, that, that the people that he came to don't have. And I think he smiles and we know the rest of the story. He heals the daughter. He basically says in this moment, she's been healed. And she's not with her mother. She's Correct. she's at home. I mean, it, which is similar. To, I mean, where you were talking about the Roman soldier. Yeah, the wanted, centurion. Exactly. Yeah, who wanted their, was it their son? servant? Yeah, it was their, their servant. servant to be healed. And he and I love that because he's talking about the authority. Like he's saying, I understand authority and I understand the authority that you have that you don't even need to come. Yeah. You can just say the word and it'll happen. And Jesus marvels at, exactly. at his faith. And that shows the faith of that centurion. He knew who Jesus was, and that he had authority over this sickness. Jesus actually says, I will go with you. And that's when the centurion says, no, 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 you don't need to go with me. I understand this. Mm -hmm. You have authority over this. Just say the word, and I know my servant will be healed. And he was. Mm -hmm. Great faith. Yeah. So good. So inspiring, too. And I think what I, I, there's so many things I love about that. The uh, kind of the out of the boxness of that, that, you know, a lot of times when we see Jesus healing, he's physically there with the person and, you know, laying hands on them or making mud and putting it on their eyes. But here we see, uh, and we see it obviously when he calms the storm, but we see the 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 greatness of his power. 
that he has. I think that in the end is what all of this healing is all about. Do you remember there's a couple times where he says, you know, now don't go tell anybody Mm -hmm. that I've healed you. And I think it's because it wasn't about the healing. It wasn't about the physical healing. Mm -hmm. Jesus was trying to demonstrate and show who he was. He was the son of God that had power over this sickness. Remember the Old Testament talks about that he, when the Messiah comes, he will heal the lame, he will give sight to the blind, and he will make the mute talk. Well, sure enough, he comes and he makes the the blind see and the mute talk and the lame will walk. And that's exactly what he did. And he did it not so that people could have, you know, get healed physically, you know, hey, free health care, you know, hey, there's this guy over here and he's healing everything. Oh, you know, he's also feeding us too. Right. <laughs> he didn't want followers to follow him because he could feed them and heal them. He wanted people to follow him because he was the Christ, the son of the living God. And I think that's what, are we going to talk about the walking on the water and the and the calming of the storms? Do we yes. have time to yep. talk about yes, that? Yes, yes. I think, remember, both times in both of these wonderful stories, and I've been to the Sea of Galilee four times. I've taught this on a boat on the Sea of Galilee. Talk about a special <laughs> That's meta. moment. That's pretty meta. It is. <laughs> when when Peter gets out, remember he starts to sink, and Jesus says, and he grabs him and picks him up and says, oh, you of little faith, right? And this side note really quick. My son was going to a Christian school in seventh or eighth grade or so, and he was listening to a teaching on this particular passage. And I picked him up from school and he got in my car and he said, Dad, the teacher said that Peter lost faith in himself. He didn't believe in himself enough. And the message was, you need to believe in yourself more. He said, I don't think that sounded right. And I said, Jacob, that's so good. And we went home and we studied the whole passage and we decided, we looked at it, this ye of little faith. Mm -hmm. We decided that Peter took his eyes off Jesus. It wasn't that he didn't didn't he that he lacked faith in himself well and because he wasn't walking on water because of his own faith or Correct. anything to do about his own ability right exactly and and so the other place that Jesus says this ye of little faith or you of little faith remember the story of when the wind and the waves waves come up and the disciples are all scared Jesus is in the back of the boat he's sleeping and then I'll say we're gonna drown we're gonna drown and they wake Jesus up and we're all scared and he gets up and he says be still be calm. And the wind and the waves stop. And remember, the disciples' reaction was, who is this man Mm -hmm. that even the wind and the waves uh, obey him? Mm -hmm. And they didn't understand. Even though Psalm 107 says that he is the one, that God is the one who calms the wind and stills the storms or something or calms the waves. You know, they know that that's God's prerogative. They didn't understand that the man in the boat with them was the creator of the wind and the waves. That's why they say, who is this man? So Jesus is performing these miracles so that people would know that he is God incarnate. He's Emmanuel, God with us, the maker of the wind and the waves. That's the guy in the boat with you, and you're not recognizing it, oh, you of little faith. So you remember the story of Philip? Yes. Philip says, Jesus, show us the Father. Mm. Do you remember Jesus' response? He says, oh, Philip, have you been with me this long mm. that you don't understand I am the Father. The Father is in me. I am in the Father. We are one. Now, I get it. 
for a first century Jew who studied the Old Testament, this is a hard concept that God became a man and dwelt with us. I think it's a hard concept for us. It is, even with the New Testament revelation. You're right, it is. But that's exactly what Scripture declares Emmanuel, God with us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God himself came in human form and dwelt among his people. Cool. That's, I think, why Jesus said, you know, don't go tell people that I healed you because they're just looking for free healing and and Mm -hmm. food and loaves and fishes and the the whole bit. Um, He's saying, believe me that I am who I say I am. Yeah. I noticed that too, that, that everybody who was coming to him was wanting something. It wasn't about just being with him. And how often, it made me think about how often I do that. I know. That I, I go to the Lord when I, oh, I need you now, so now I'm going to pay attention to you versus I just, I mean, it was the same thing about what I was talking about with studying scripture, having an agenda versus just going in to just be with him and to just linger with him, I think is something that we, it's good for us. It's good. I think it's what he desires, and it's good for us. It's good for our soul to do that. That's so true, and that's kind of what I was referring to when I when I say Christians often turn to God for the big things, mm-hmm. because often we're looking for healing, right? Right. The big things are often, hey, this situation or this sickness or this disease, and I'm looking for the healing. And I think the people that came to Jesus for healing in faith— and, and, and by the way, many came to Jesus in faith, mm-hmm. but he also healed people that we have no indication about whether they had faith or not. The, the, the paralytic by the pool of Bethesda, he's just sitting there and Jesus says, do you want to be healed? And he says, well, yeah, I do. I've been sitting here for a long time waiting to be healed, but no one will carry me down when the, when the, when the water stirs, stirs, right? Mm-hmm. And he heals him and he gets up. Later in the story, He's the the man is with the Pharisees and he says, you know, who healed you? And I said, I don't know, some guy. I don't even know who he is. So I don't know that that man had faith. You know, mm-hmm. people often talk about, well, you need faith to be healed and so mm-hmm. on. Jesus often healed people that didn't even have faith. By the way, he healed in lots of different ways. You you mentioned it earlier, like he spit on the ground. He spit in one blind man's eye. Later in Mark, I think it's in seven, either seven or the beginning of eight, there's a a deaf and mute man, and he sticks his fingers in the man's ears and somehow touches his tongue, and it says he spits. It's almost, it sounds like he spits on the man's tongue mm-hmm. and touches it, right? Right. Uh, there's other places where he doesn't touch anybody. There's other places where they touch him, just to, just touch his garment, and people were healed. Um, I think there's so many different ways that Jesus heals because there is no pattern. It's not about the physical healing. It's about this man, and do you believe he is the one that has the power to heal the blind, to make the mute speak, and to cause the lame to walk? He is God. That's so good. We only have about a minute left. Is there anything else from this section that you want to make sure we quick cover? Oh, you know, there's uh, a whole bunch of miracles in this. We only talked about a few of them, but I think this idea— I think this idea of physical healing is probably the most important because so often we come to God for physical healing and we have to remember that Jesus, as God in the flesh, was the sacrifice for sin once for all to heal us of the greatest disease of all. 
and that is sin and death. And if you believed in, have believed in him as your Lord and Savior, you have been healed. That's amazing. Hmm. And I also, to go along with that, I think often, so I am producer for Susie Larson, mm-hmm. and to see the the incremental healing, like she has had to contend for it, that healing comes in a lot of different forms, and sometimes it doesn't come at all, and those are a hard thing to to grasp and to hang on to, but it's like you're saying, it's about the man. It's not about what he's doing for us. There's Do I have 10 seconds? 10 seconds, yeah. There's there actually a point where Jesus is healing a blind man, and he spits in his eyes, but then he still can't see everything yet, so he has to do it again. That incremental? Mm-hmm. I don't know why it took twice in that particular case, but when you speak of incremental healing, it made me think of that. Yeah, so good. Jeff Redoran, thank you so much for taking oh, the time so again. I appreciate it. And thank you for joining us for this conversation about the Gospel of Mark. And we will see you next time on Reading the Bible Together. Thank you for listening to this conversation on Reading the Bible Together. These conversations are available because of your support. You can become a supporter now at MyFaithRadio.com. Please subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes and share it with friends so together we can inspire more people to read the Bible together.